there are people who are afraid of men dressing up like women and acting crazy. And, um, you know, that's, look, I'm not here to judge anybody. If a, like I said, if a parent doesn't want their children around it, then they don't need to be there. They can make the decision. It's very simple. Um, at, at, the, at, the same, at the same time, if, if a parent wants to go to the, with their child to a drag reading hour, they should be able to do that, and they should be able to have fun. And they shouldn't have to be protested, and they shouldn't have to be interrupted by Proud Boys. The drag queen exists in, from a sexual nature. That's what it's, the drag queen is for. They only take basically two qualities of a woman. And, and they, they, don't, they don't focus on intelligence. They don't focus on work ethic. They don't focus on anything. Nurturing, they don't focus on the, just the sexual and the materialistic side. And so why would we want to teach kids that's what a woman is? Why would we want to do that? And besides that, what, what would be the benefit to having a female stripper sit down and read to the kids? Welcome to my podcast. I'm Michaela Peterson. This is the Michaela Peterson podcast. And this is an Opposing Views episode on drag story time and drag shows. Uh, Opposing Views is a series where I speak with individuals on opposite sides of a contentious issue. And this issue is definitely contentious. It was very interesting. Uh, on one side, I had John Casey, a widely published writer for The Advocate, a LGBTQ, the largest LGBTQ magazine in the U.S., on the other side of this debate, I had Brian Slayton, a former youth minister and current state representative of Texas. In the last few months, you guys have probably seen, there have been a number of viral videos showing parents bringing children to drag shows. A lot of people, and parents especially, have been upset by that. A lot of people have supported it. Uh, drag shows in bars, drag story time in libraries, drag story time at the Toronto Zoo, in this episode, we discussed those videos, the history of drag in the U.S. Uh, drag isn't something new. The difference between drag shows and other drag events like Drag Queen Storytime, grooming, why drag is an issue now, age requirements for attending drag shows, and a lot more. A special thanks to John Casey for coming on this episode. He's on the left, and given my more right-leaning audience, I do appreciate getting left-wing people on here to hear their opinions about political issues because we do need to continue hearing both sides. So please remember to be kind to the participants so I can get more people to agree to come on and discuss these issues and I can keep doing opposing views. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Before we get into it, though, you're probably aware that inflation recently reached its highest rate since 1985. And I don't think anyone knows for sure how bad it is going to get. Hopefully things stabilize again sooner rather than later. You can hope for that anyway. I don't know if things are going to get worse. There's a, apparently a food shortage. Things might get really bad. You can invest your money with GoldCo, though. They sponsored this episode. They're a leader in gold and silver retirement accounts, Gold IRA. It's wise to protect your life savings, especially right now while you can, by investing in precious metals like gold and silver. Uh, my family has money in precious metals, so I'm not just saying that. Through Gold Co., you get a guaranteed way to protect the worth of your financial assets and retirement savings. Even though inflation reduces the worth of your money in the bank, the value of gold and silver has historically been a lot more stable, especially during inflation. Over the last decade, GoldGo has made it possible for thousands of Americans to protect over a billion dollars in retirement savings. 
With more than 1,000 five-star customer ratings, Gold Co. is an easy place to start safeguarding your retirement. And right now, they're offering a promotion that gives qualifying new customers up to $10,000 in free silver, which is a pretty sweet deal. You can diversify your investments today by visiting mplikesgold.com, and they'll give you up to $10,000 in free silver when you open a qualifying account. That's mplikesgold.com. Tell them that I sent you and enjoy this episode. John Casey, welcome to my podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Great. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. Before we get started, can you give me a brief background about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. Well, um, uh, I've been in public relations most of my life, still am. Uh, to a certain extent, but I worked on Capitol Hill at the beginning of my career for about seven years. Moved to New York and worked for a couple of international PR agencies and then um, ran media relations for Sears and Kmart, Toys R Us, and Macy's. And then I worked for three years uh, with the United Nations on climate change to the run-up to the Paris Accords. Simultaneously, I worked for um, Mike Bloomberg when he was UN Climate Envoy. And then I've been in um, digital for the last few years doing uh, 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 PR for some digital companies. So, and then on the side, I, uh, I do two columns per week for The Advocate where I touch on societal, political, entertainment, and topical news issues that affect the LGBTQ community. So I have an opportunity to speak with you know, all of the leaders and, and all of the great voices in the LGBTQ community. And uh, it's, it's been an awesome uh, way to get to know people and, um, and, to, and to be able to cover uh, what's, who, who's affected, you know, serious issues, political issues. Um, spoke, you know, to most of the out members of Congress. Uh, I spoke to Ellen when she left her show. She only spoke to me and one other reporter. Um, I, I spoke to uh, Shirley MacLaine yesterday, so I have a great column coming up about her. So uh, it just, um, you know, I get to take the column in, in different ways. And then I've written about uh, drag queens. So um, I, I feel like that I've uh, been able to touch on most of the issues that affect the community. Okay, perfect. Well, I invited you on um, to get your perspective on drag queen, drag queen shows, and the most recent kind of media frenzy that's involved having kids attend drag queen shows. So that was maybe two months ago that that kind of blew up online. Yeah, well, they're not attending drag queen shows. They're going to drag, drag queen reading hours. So there's a big difference there. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a drag queen show, but um, it's a little ribald and uh, the, the it's entertainment. And um, uh, when I take fr when friends come into New York City to see me, straight friends, we go to what's called drag brunch. Uh, it's a real popular thing in New York, and they're uh, so much fun. And even in Miami, uh, the Palace uh, Bar, which is um, on Ocean Drive, they have drag uh, happy hour, which is enormously popular. You can't go anywhere near that place. The sidewalks are full. The traffic is stopped. So. Drag shows are one thing. Then you have drag reading hours, which libraries do, mostly public libraries, I do for kids. And it's just a, a way for kids to be engaged in a book through someone who is an entertainer. 
Okay. Um, do you think that the idea of exposing kids to drag queens is too sexual for people at a certain age? Well, it's not sexual. It's, um, first of all, I think, <clears throat> I think the biggest reason people have probably misconceptions about um, drag queens is because they haven't met them or they haven't seen them. Um, drag queens are entertainers. Um, and when they are in a setting of a library reading a book, they're there to have fun with kids, just like anybody else would, I, except there they are dressed in, you know, very flamboyant costumes. Um, so it, it's, they're not imparting any uh, sexual identity or, or, or talking about themselves or talking about what they do. They're there just to read a story and help the kids along with the story and have, have, make sure the kids have fun. Um, it's not threatening in the least. Um, certainly, you would never take a child to um, a drag brunch, for example. That That's all out of the question. Or a drag show. But with a drag happy hour, or I'm sorry, with a, with a drag reading hour, it's, it's, it's innocent. It's just fun. So I, I think the... Um, I think it, I think it was about two months ago, the event that had people all up in arms, I believe that was an actual drag show that it was in called drag your kids to pride. Did you see the clips of that show going on online? Yeah, but there again, I think that, um, it's up to the parents. That is solely a parent's responsibility to decide whether they want to take their child to that or not. Um, it's not up to me to tell a parent when it's age appropriate for them uh, to see something like that. So that is totally a, a, a parental judgment. Um, and, and if they wanna take their kids and, 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 and take them to a pride event uh, or a pride drag show thing, again, that is, a, that is a parent's call. And parents have every right to be able to make the decision on that. Um, how do you feel about the recent legislature that's trying to be advanced that puts kind of drag shows into the same category as strip shows and says, no, parents can't take their kids there. They can go once they're 18 or 21. Well, it's all political. Uh, I think through this, particularly through this midterm uh, election, uh, the LGBTQ community has really been um, singled out. Um, and used for uh, political purposes. So you, you, you have that one, you have Don't Say Gay um, in Florida. And, you know, primarily that, that's, uh, there's a lot wrong with that. But the, the biggest issue is that parents don't want their kids subjected to talking about sexual identity in kindergarten and, and grade school. Well, that's not happening. So this, that was one thing with single out. Now, all of these states are trying to replicate what Ron DeSantis did, which they can't really do. And then as a matter of fact, there are other states that do have the don't say gay laws on the book. Then you have what's going on with trans youth and, and uh, politicians using trans youth as a, um, as a political wedge issue. Um, you even have uh, um, not just trans youth, but transgender people too. Um, there's been a lot of what you just re referenced, these bills, which are not uh, addressing any problem. Um, there is not a problem of parents swarming into drag shows 
with their children in tow. That doesn't happen. And, you know, uh, and most bars aren't going to let kids in. If it's a pride event, again, it's, it's out in the public. It's up to the, it's up to the parent. Same thing with, with, you know, a drag reading hour. If the parents aren't comfortable with it, they don't have to send their kids. So these bills that are popped up are for problems that are non-existent and they're just being used as political wedge issues. Hmm. Interesting. Um, do you think, so one of the concerns that's on the more conservative or Republican side is that, um, say, say the number of trans youth in the last 15 years has increased dramatically. And they believe that that's because there's an ideology being pushed in public schools. And so part of the kind of pushback against this is, oh, I don't want you to teach my kids this ideology um, because they're concerned they'll be pushed into a, into an ideology. So how do you feel about that? Well, it's not an ideology. Um, you're born gay. Um, and you're born whether you are uh, a child, you know, a teenager who feels that they are a boy or a girl. Um, you know, it's inherent in you. Yes, it's been on, a, been on the rise. And there's been many arguments and and discussion points of what, why that has been. And I think chief among them, and having talked to trans youth, is that there's um, people, uh, kids are more open today. And, and there, there are um, uh, role models for, for these kids. Somebody like Elliot Page, who, 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 who is, is brave enough to be able to come forward and, and admit the fact that they they feel that they are a man, and so um, and then you, you can see what's going on on the right. I mean, just yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene dead named um, uh, Assistant Secretary of Health Rachel Levine. I know her. I've talked to her. Um, but this is an incredible person. Incredibly, she's incredibly smart. Um, so again, all of these things I feel like are trying to um, are trying to get people frightened, uh, get people scared, the fact that transgender people are around. And, um, you know, that, that's not the case. Nobody's pushing an ideology. People, are ju people just want to be who they are. Okay, let me see. Um, do you think that there's, um, this is another argument I've heard. This is sure. another argument I've heard. The dangers, say, say one side is wrong. There's the side that says this is an ideology and then there's a side that says people are born this way and we should be open to that so that we're not prejudiced against people and we're not hateful, right? Those are badly worded. Those are kind of the two sides. If the conservative side is wrong, um, then people are, I would say, ostracized until they're about 18 and can transition over, right? And if the liberal side is wrong and kids are more susceptible to these ideas. What happens if you get kids who transition surgically or with medication and can't transition back? Okay, so those are rare cases. Um, very, very rare. Um, I think we have just need to take a step back. You're talking about conservative and the liberal side, but why don't you ask a conservative parent who has a child who, who wants to transition because they know they, they believe and the parents have 
studied the issue. They've talked to doctors. They've talked to psychologists. It's not as if, Michaela, that uh, a child comes to their parent and says, I'm, I'm a girl and I want to be a boy. And then somebody just flips a switch uh, in the back of their head. Um, there is a process to go through, a, a very long um, and, and very strenuous process to make sure uh, that, that the child is in the right place to do something like that. You know, oftentimes, not oftentimes, but it does happen that the doctors won't agree to it because they do feel like. So there are guardrails set up for, if you want to call it the conservative side, of people making what they consider to be this drastic switch. But there's the guardrails are set up specifically to protect the child. And again, it goes all the way back to the parent's decision and how they want to handle this. And I've spoken to so many parents who have transgender kids that want to transition. And, you know, the biggest issue for them is they see when the child, uh, for example, somebody I just spoke to, um, who was a boy, when the, the, the child is dressing like a girl and, and, and doing girl things, how happy that child is. Parents know that. Uh, you know, there's also the thing that, that mothers always know when their son is gay. It, it falls back on that, too. Parents have a general idea if their child um, might not be comfortable uh, in, the, in, the, in the identity that they were born with. And so all of that, yes, there's arguments back and forth, back and forth. But I think it's very important for, and they do seek them out, is for... Um, the parents of these youth uh, who are dealing with it to talk about, to read their stories, to reach out to them. Um, they're, they're, they're not liberal or conservative. They're just parents and they want to do what's best for their kids. Um, do you know, uh, could you give a brief description of what a drag show is for anyone who doesn't know and when they started? Oh, okay. Well, <clears throat> You know, drag has been around forever, um, and it's been, um, and I'll just stick to the U.S., it's a lot of history in, in Europe, but in the U.S., uh, I'm sure you, you don't know what vaudeville is, most, most younger people don't, but vaudeville was really the, um, the entertainment venue, for lack of a better term, back at the turn of the century. And they were traveling shows where they did song and dance and told um, really bad jokes. But um, most of the uh, performers were men and they dressed like women. And they did songs and they did dances and, and people came out to see them. And so that was the early, early type of, of, of what would we consider to be drag. Um, a lot of them were called transvestites, which, you know, is not a word that means anything in today. But back then, that, that's what they were called. And then you can go through, I mean, uh, my own personal knowledge on this is that, um, you know, somebody like Milton Berle, you say, who is Milton Berle? Well, back in the early, late 40s and early 50s, he was television's biggest star. He was also one of the most famous comedians in the world. He spent most of his career, he dressed like a woman. And of course, it was for fun. It was making jokes. And, um, but he probably was the most famous drag queen um, in, in Hollywood for, for a long time. And then came along um, Flip Wilson. 
in the late 60s, and he had a television show, and he created a character named Geraldine. And so Geraldine was dragged again. For did you know? Do you know about that one? Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that. I'm familiar with vaudeville too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you are because you're a very intelligent person. So um, <laughs> thank you. I'm I'm not just saying that. So um, yeah. So then you you know Martin Lawrence has done it. Uh, Jamie Foxx has done it. Look at Medea. Um, and the, the success of Medea, I mean, he's in drag. Um, and then I don't know if you saw First Ladies on Showtime, but, you know, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt went into a gay bar and there were drag shows. People were dressing like Eleanor Roosevelt and they dressed like Betty Davis and Carmen Miranda. So all of this, all of this has been around. And then look at, look at television, Some, like Bosom Buddies. That was an Emmy Award winning show. And uh, Tootsie, which won the Oscar, Dustin Hoffman was in drag. Um, Nutty Professor, um, Kinky Boots, um, the, a terrific performance by Philip Seymour Hoffman in Flawless, where, where he played a drag queen. So it's, it's and some like it hot with uh, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. You know, that was back in the early 60s. So the, the drag uh, of, of men, like entertainers dressing as women has been along for, been around for a long time. And so if you want uh, back to your now question about a drag show. So, you know, drag shows mostly are um, performers um, who come out and lip sync and dance the songs. Some of them sing for real. Um, they usually intersperse their performance with, with jokes. They rip on the audience. It's, it's fun. It's, it's hilarious. Um, you know, it's adult entertainment. It's adult entertainment um, because it's done in bars or, or you know, um, restaurants where it's, it's no holds bars. It's terrific. Um, so that would be a drag show. And then, you know, like I explained, there's a drag brunch where um, you go into, they're very popular in New York. So many places now do drag brunch. But you go in and you got to have an hour and a half of bottomless mimosas and drag performers come and they dance and sing and you feel like you're in a club. And it's really it's really a great way to spend uh, early uh, afternoons on Saturday and, and Sundays. Um, so those are drag shows. And then I, I told you about the one in Miami at the Palace, which is the it's a it's epic. I mean, you can't walk around anywhere near the palace when they do their drag happy hour. And the drag performers run out on the street and they're lip syncing songs or dancing with the crowd. It's really, you know, it's not gay people. It's predominantly straight people who stop and watch this. So drag has been, um, and then one final thing, I guess, um, RuPaul Drag Race. I mean, that show is, is uh, you know, Emmy nominated. It's... Um, it's one of the trendiest shows out there. And a lot of the performers on there have gone on and done other things. For example, um, I think it was uh, uh, American Idol. One of them performed on American Idol. So um, so drag queens are everywhere. Um, drag shows are everywhere, most everywhere. And um, they're, they're lots of fun. They're um, entertainers, first and foremost, um, Drag queens are entertainers. Um, I went to a drag show when I was in New York. Um, I think I was, uh, I was definitely, I was probably 15, I think. 
And oh, it was, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how I snuck in there, but it, it was like, <laughs> it was mostly, I think most of the people in there, in the place I went to were bachelorettes. So oh, what? bachelorettes, oh, what? like bachelorette parties. Yeah. I, from what I remember, I think it was mostly bachelorette parties. Yes, that happens too. There's a lot of bachelorette. That's a really a popular thing for, um, uh, for bach uh, bachelorette parties is to go to a drag show. Um, it, it's so much fun. It really is. And there's no, um, there's, there's no political statement being made about, oh, we should all be able to dress in, in drag or, and it's fun. It's, they're entertainers. They're just there to make the crowd laugh, to make the crowd happy. That, that's all they want to do. So do you think that this event that happened a couple of months ago that kind of went viral, particularly, I think, in conservative realms, do you think that was more with, with kids going to a drag show? Do you think that was more of an isolated incident? Yes, exactly. And I'm wondering why um, we're not talking about the Proud Boys, uh, which are going around interrupting drag uh, reading hours in libraries. And see, this is the issue I always say, well, you know, I saw all the commotion about that. More, it's more of a one-off. You are correct. But why aren't they talking about um, uh, Proud Boys going into these um, uh, uh, drag reading hours and disrupting them? That's worse for the kids. I mean, they're seeing out-and-out racists come into their little happy reading hour and disrupting with hateful language and hateful speech. And, the, the, and the, these drag reading hours are, are being targeted by Proud Boys, which in turn are, are, are making some of the libraries having to cancel them because they, are, they fear that, that, that these people will interrupt them. And that's really, that, that's sickening. Um, that, that, you know, the same people who are, are going out there condemning Jews and black people are, are trying to, um, are, are trying to call out in, in the most horrific ways, drag queens in front of children. It's really, um, it's really appalling. And I think it just shows the, the, the danger in trying, um, to use uh, somebody like a drag queen as a political wedge issue, because what that does is stir up hate. And when the hate is stirred up, then these, um, these facet groups, these racist groups follow. And, and that's the tragedy of the whole thing, I think. It's, it's gone too far when, when something like that happens. Um, what do you think about, um, okay, I'm not super familiar with this, issue, but I'm going to, so I might get some things wrong, but, um, apparently there was a bill, I think introduced in California that made learning about drag queens and drag shows mandatory in school. Did you hear about this that was introduced? Yeah. But again, uh, you know, it's hard to take something like that serious. Um, nobody going back to what I keep saying, this, being a drag queen is not a political issue and nobody wants to force people to think about drag queens. And so, um, uh, to me, this is just trying, um, to match, uh, the hate on the other side by putting up another bill that 
makes the whole thing a wash. I just, you know, nobody, the governor of California is not going to sign a bill, well, it won't be passed, that makes it mandatory to learn about drag shows. I mean, that's, that's ludicrous. On the same end is why would, uh, what's going on is making them, uh, uh, some bills are out there to try to make them illegal. Same thing. I mean, these are two way extremes. It's not about drag queens. It's about entertaining children and giving them an, a, a, a new way of learning and of, of having fun and engaging and engaging in a story. Okay. Let me see what else I have here that we haven't covered. Um, do you think there's room for, I guess, nuance in the debate so that drag shows are fine? You can say, because there are very conservative people in America. You can say, you know what? Drag has been around forever. It's entertainment. Drag shows are fine. However, we can bar it from children and put it in the same category as more adult entertainment, and that's reasonable. Do you think that's something that both sides could agree on? Well, uh, drag shows or drag reading hours are not adult entertainment. So there's a huge difference there. And I've talked to drag queens who do um, drag reading hours. They, are, they go and do their drag show where they have all their fun and ripping on the crowd and, you know, being, you know, being crazy. And then they have where they read to children. It's not a, when the, when the drag queen is reading in front of children, it's not adult entertainment. And so that's a, it's a huge, huge misnomer. They're not in the library being ribald and dancing around. They're, they're reading a story to kids and they're making it fun for them. So, uh, so you talk about the nuance, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to the parent. If the parent is not comfortable sending a child to a drag reading hour, then don't do it. Um, but 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 don't go and try to you know maybe this sounds a little harsh and brash, but keep your nose in your own business. There are parents who think it's great go in there and they and they sit with the kids. They run dropping the kids off and then leaving them there alone with a drag queen. You know that's what the what the these parents who are against it want you to think that somehow this drag queen is uh, uh, brainwashing these kids about being a drag queen. That, that's not it at all. The parents, the, the drag queen makes it just as fun for the parents reading the book. You know, they, they have, um, it's interactive. So, um, if, but if you're strongly against it and you don't want your kids uh, to be there, then, then don't send them there. That's your decision. Nobody's going to tell you you have to do it. Just do it. That's your decision. Keep them at home. But let the people who would love to have their children experience lots of fun and entertainment with the drag queen, then, then let them do it. It's a parent's decision. Okay. Okay. Um, do you think, I guess, last question that kind of goes in that direction. Do you think that um, the idea of having drag queen story time is because of what a drag queen represents is kind of hypersexual just by itself, whether or not they're doing the show. Is it not kind of hypersexual for kids? No, it's, it's not. I mean, kids aren't, 
you know, I, 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 when I wrote a column about this initially, I talked to uh, my friend David Berkter, who married to Neil Patrick Harris, and they have two kids. And, um, you know, they were, uh, uh, they, their kids are terrific kids, just terrific kids. But, you know, David talked about um, the fact that they're fine with letting their kids uh, be with drag queens so long as they're not rude or raunchy. And, you know, the kids got a different exposure to it because their dad, Neil Patrick Harris, started in Kinky Boots. So they took them to Kinky Boots and, you know, they explained to the kids that drag is a celebration of life. It's about embracing differences and that's that's what it is. And so they saw their dad in it and then they thought it was fun. You know, um, I, I they weren't telling the kids, you know, uh, they weren't making it sexual. They were making the fact of what it, honest to God is. It's just entertainment. And I think that's really important is that it, it's not sexualized in any way unless the parent makes it sexualized. Now, going back to that, uh, David and Neil produced the, uh, a drag film for HBO called Wigs. And that's oh, yeah. about, yeah, that's about drag shows. That's about drag queen. But they don't want their kids to see that. That's not for kids. It's for adults. So, yes, they take them to a drag reading hour. They'll take their dad. They'll take them to watch their dad be um, uh, in kinky boots. But they, they didn't want, let the kids watch wigs because wigs is not for children. Okay. So do you think it's possible that um, the more conservative media is just hyper fixating on certain examples um, and that's blowing, making things look skewed. Yes, I I totally agree with you on that. That's what it is. It's a political issue. Um, there are you said it. There are people who are afraid of men dressing up like women and acting crazy. And um, you know that's look. I'm not here to judge anybody. If a, like I said, if a parent doesn't want their children around it, then they don't need to be there. They can make the decision. It's very simple. Um, at at the, at the same at the same time, if, if a parent wants to go to the, with their child to a drag reading hour, they should be able to do that, and they should be able to have fun, and they shouldn't have to be protested, and they shouldn't have to be interrupted by proud boys. It's something that's specifically done for kids. It's not it's not some wild raunchy show. It's a simple, nice way for kids to have a good time. It just so happens that the drag queen. Okay. Um, let me see. What else do I have to cover? That covered quite a bit. And thank you again for coming on. Oh, sure. I'm glad I could talk about this. I feel like, um, and I th think you had some really good questions. So I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, let me see. There was one more thing I wanted to ask. Let me see if I can remember it. Sure. Okay, yeah. Oh, one of so one of the things you hear in more conservative circles quite frequently is that these um drag reading hours are grooming children. How do you oh feel about God. that assertion? Oh, that is it's awful. Let me let me be really frank with you. I was groomed by a priest, okay? And abused by a priest. So I know what grooming is. And when you're trying to put that label on somebody, that's almost like calling them a murderer. And that is wrong in every, every facet of 
anything you can even bring that up. That is wrong. They are not grooming the children. My God, the parents are there and they're watching these with kids. They're not grooming the kids. And for anyone to use that word flippantly, and particularly to a drag queen who's just reading a book, is is wrong. It's very, very, very dangerous. And um, it, it's downright evil. If you, and when you have been groomed, you know how horrible that is. And when somebody goes out and throws the, the word grooming or pedophile, and it is a, it's wrong and a dangerous. And all of that needs to stop. And I'm worried that it isn't stopping. I see Marjorie Taylor Greene on, on Twitter using those words. It's, um, it's, and it's horribly offensive to somebody who has been groomed. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Okay, okay, one, one more. Sure. <laughs> Just looking sure. at my list, I'm like, maybe, maybe one more. Um, is there any type of argument within the LGTB, sorry, LGBTQ community? Is there any argument about um, whether or not drag reading time is appropriate for kids? Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, we're not like one um, monolithic way of thinking. So uh, most certainly there's, you know, I, I, they don't even have to be conservative. I mean, it's a, it's a parent's choice, whether you're liberal, conservative, uh, communist, whatever you are, independent, it's your choice. And some people don't feel comfortable with their kids in the, with a, a drag queen reading hour. That, that's fine. That's your decision. And yeah, so within the LGBT community, I'm sure that, um, that there are parents, you know, two moms or two dads who say, you know, that's not for my kids. And that's fine. Just like it would be for a straight parent. That's, that's fine if you, if you feel that way. But don't go labeling these people wrongly by calling them a groomer and pedophile. Don't be protesting them. Um, you know, don't be, don't try to marginalize them. That's the wrong thing to do. In the end, it hurts kids. Because if kids think there's something wrong with that, then, you know, you're, you're already uh, bringing an element of discrimination. If you don't want to take your kids to drag reading hour, then just don't bring it up. That's it. Okay. Is there anything else you want to cover that or quite any information you want out there that I haven't covered? No, I think you hit the, some really good questions. I appreciate that. Um, and I, you know, you're, I'm, I appreciate the fact that you're looking at it from the other side. So, um, and giving the opportunity to be able to explain that a little bit more. So, so people have an, more of an open mind and, and understand it more rather than just lashing out. So, and may I say one more thing, if you have the opportunity to meet a drag queen, go meet them because you're going to find that they're just a human being, just like you and I. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you very much, John, for coming on. If people want to follow you online, is there anywhere they can go? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, I, and then I, uh, you can just push uh, the, the advocate lgbtq john casey and i have a link to all my columns on there okay great thank you very much again well thank you it was really nice to meet you okay have fun in florida i am okay bye-bye now this episode is sponsored by nordvpn if you follow the show for a while then you probably already know because i've complained about it a lot how bad canadian netflix is i mean netflix has just been bad recently i think 
Uh, but at least it has variety in America. And if you're in the States now, like me, you could use NordVPN to find out exactly what I mean. We actually just had one of our uh, debit cards hacked um, in an Egyptian airport. Then I started getting these Egyptian um, fees and Egyptian electronic payments going through my debit card uh, because my assistant used my debit card when he was in an airport and because he wasn't using something like NordVPN, which he uses now. So NordVPN can be very useful, especially if you're traveling in areas where there can be hackers around trying to grab your information. You should check them out. I used NordVPN to also watch the best shows in Netflix anywhere in the world from Canada. Now that I live in Miami, I don't use NordVPN to watch good Netflix shows. Uh, but no matter where I go, I do like to safeguard my online activity, especially when traveling. NordVPN's state-of-the-art encryption protects you from third parties who want to watch what you're doing online. It also protects you from hackers, malware, and any malicious people who might want to track your online activity. Uh, NordVPN's a simple way to guarantee your privacy and keep you safe online. It's super easy to start using. It's fast. It's not slow. I've used a lot of VPNs, and a lot of them just slow down your internet enough that it's not worth using a VPN. They're not like that. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash TMPP, nordvpn.com slash TMPP to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. And it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So sign up for NordVPN and enjoy the rest of this episode and be nice. Brian Slayton, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me, and I'm happy to be here. So before we get started, can you give a brief background about who you are and what it is you do? Okay. Uh, so my name is Brian Slayton. Um, I will start with this. I'm a wonderful wife and two lovely kids at home. Uh, she's almost six months old and the little boy that is four years old. Um, before that, <clears throat> my background, I was in the ministry. I was a youth and family minister. And uh, then wound up, I got my bachelor's and master's there and then went back to school, got my accounting degree and um, hmm. got in, interested and involved with politics. And then now I'm a state representative. Uh, I have not even completed my first term, uh, but I uh, found myself fighting on uh, culture issues uh, that I just believe are the right stance to take. Okay, great. Uh, well, we're discussing drag shows in this episode because those have been all over the news and there's the country is split on their opinion about whether or not these are good for people. So I'm going to run through a couple of questions and uh, see how you feel about this. Uh, first of all, uh, do you know, like, can you explain what drag shows are and where they started? Yeah. I mean, they started, uh, you know, in, in the gay community, right? Men dressing up as women, uh, and, and it's a characterization of a woman just in the sexual nature and materialistic. Uh, they, you know, big hair, makeup, uh, big dress, and then the sexual side. And, and, you know, it's probably been part of the community a very long time. Now, as far as when it, you know, officially started, you know, I, I don't know. I'm guessing from things I've read around 100 years ago. But here's the problem is drag shows have gone on. They, you know, have always probably been around in some form or fashion. But now what we're seeing is this uh, it, it, drag shows have been normalized in our culture. We're seeing them more and more on television and commercials. And your kids can see them on television and commercials. And now what we're uh, this issue at hand here is 
drag shows in front of children. And uh, you take something that was, you know, in the past was secretive and, and they weren't proud of. It wasn't out in the open. Um, and now not only is it normalized in society, but now it's being even forced to where they want you to accept grown men dancing in their underwear in front of children and then putting dollar bills in the grown men's underwear. And that's where we've we've come. And it's it, it hasn't. It's not what it once was. It was just something that uh, gay men did and behind closed doors. But now it's being pushed down onto our children. And, um, okay, so do you think children should be attending drag shows? Well, not at all. I mean, we don't have, we don't let children in Texas attend uh, strip clubs with a stripper. I mean, that, that we have laws to protect children already from adults who intend bad things for them or to sexualize them. And so uh, this is nothing but sexualizing the child. Um, and it, it shouldn't be a foreign idea to us, right? I mean, you look at human trafficking and the problem that is, well, that's a, a large contingent of that is adults wanting to have sex with children. And then now with the drag in front of children, they're, let's say, taking just the sexual qualities of a woman putting those on display in front of children and one of those children to touch them, interact with them. And, um, and you know, we want kids to maintain their innocence. We want kids to um, uh, know right and wrong and, and know when they're you know, safe and know when they're in jeopardy. And what we have happening with the drag queens is we're teaching them that it's okay to be around a man dancing this way in his underwear and it's okay for you to touch him. Right. And, but then, Two months later, another man has them alone and is doing the same thing. We want that kid concerned. We, we want that kid saying, no, no, this shouldn't be happening. I need to tell someone. But we're, we're literally trying to teach these kids that it's normal and okay to have adults treat you this way. And it, it's uh, inappropriate for their behavior, and it's unethical to sexualize children. That is true. Um, do you think that there's any chance that – um, people who do these drag shows think that they're just trying to, um, I guess, get children used to the idea of the LGBTQ community so that they're less prejudiced when they grow up. Oh, oh sure. It's, it's all of that. It's um, trying to uh, let the kids, I guess, be accepting. And they think as the kids get older, they'll be more accepting. And, and, but it's, it's more than just that. Um, uh, you take NAMBLA, North, North American uh, Association of Manboy Love or Manboy Love Association, NAMBLA. They've been around for 25, 30 years or more, actually. But as the LGBTQ movement, when it hadn't always been known that, but known as that, but whenever they've tried to advance things, whether it's same sex marriage, whether it's whatever they've tried to advance, NAMBLA has always been a part of their movement. And they've been wanting to normalize adult men relationship with adult boys. That's their goal. That's why they exist. And they're a part of these movements. And during those times, you had people in the gay community going, no, 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 we, we want to advance this, but we don't want anything to do with people that are taking advantage of children. They always really tried to distance themselves from NAMBLA. But here we are now in our culture and our society, and we don't see... Uh, an active push to distance themselves from NAMBLA. 
And in fact, they're, you know, criticize me and others because we don't want children to be exposed to adults that are doing all this sexual stuff. Um, but yeah, they want them to be accepted. Uh, and they also want them to participate. And then I would say even the end goal is they're wanting these children to then go and do gender modification surgeries. I don't think they're content with accepting. I believe over the past 20 years, 25 years, if we've seen their movement progress, by and large, society's been accepting. The church has been accepting. They've, like I say, they're normalized. You, good, good luck finding a sitcom that doesn't have an LGBTQ character and all this, right? So we've been accepting, but they keep pushing. And then, uh, you know, that, that's the goal. They're, they're not just wanting to accept. They're wanting us to engage. In fact, we had this happen on the House floor when we were discussing boys participating in girls college sport or no high school sports. And we had members of, of the Democrat Party that were upset with me and others because we were using the words male and female. Mm-hmm. During this conversation, they wanted us to use cis male and cis female. And so it wasn't agree to disagree. It wasn't, uh, you know, this is what we believe we want you to accept and we'll move on. No, they wanted us to change our vocabulary to match theirs. And uh, so, there, I mean, you can say it's acceptance, but I believe that's just the foot in the door of of the movement and what they're trying to do. They're trying to normalize every bit of it. Now, not all of them are, you know, not all, every person in the LGBTQ community is trying to normalize adult child relationships, but there's a a, a contingent in there that is. And right now I'm not seeing people distance themselves. And also where do you draw that line? Right. I'm saying kids shouldn't be uh, around drag queens and, you know, in a drag show and all that. Well, if they say it's okay, well, where do you draw that line? If a man can dance in women's underwear, kids put dollar bills in their underwear, then when is it wrong for an adult to do sexual things with a child? And they don't answer the question. Do you think there's any type of consensus uh, in the LGBTQ community about whether or not children should be allowed to attend drag shows? Do you think this is just one small portion of it? Or do you think this is kind of an overarching theme? Well, I don't know how big it is, but I know it's not all. I mean, whenever I put out this idea, the, the bill idea, we got calls from people in the homosexual community. Had a guy call, hey, I'm a homosexual from Dallas. I just want you to know, I agree with you. Children shouldn't be around drag queens. I mean, they're not unified on this because, as I've said, there are people in the homosexual community that's always tried to distance themselves from the pedophiles, the NAMBLA. But right now, not many are doing it. We got people you know, calling and telling us they support us, but they know if they come out publicly on social media, they are going to get absolutely blown up by their own side, by their own, you know, their own group, because they want all or nothing. And so, but they're not unified. On this. Um, what would you say to people who say that the, the idea that the LGBTQ community has um, a tendency towards pedophilia, that's just right-wing propaganda. Well, like I said, not all, right? Um, but there are some. I mean, the existence of NAMBOY, North American Manboy Love Association, 
You can read on their website. They've had for a long time. They want to normalize relationships with children. They've been a part of every movement the gay or LGBTQ movement has had. They're there and it in through history and recent history, they people distance themselves from them, but they're still there. And so um, like I say, it is not all, but <clears throat> here's here's my point, Michaela. So let's pretend and just say no one, right? No one in drag is a pedophile. Let's just pretend that's the reality. Well, what they're teaching children and how they're grooming children uh, and, and how to the children is supposed to uh, respond to the way these adults are dancing and interacting with them. It is not appropriate for the child if the child you know, was in front of a, a female stripper. It's not appropriate. As I mentioned, with human trafficking, you got men trying to have sex children and, and just straight up pedophiles. That's all wrong. I mean, that is absolutely all wrong. And the idea of a drag queen dancing this way in front of a child and, you know, the depiction and characterization of a woman, you would think would offend the left, right? They only take basically two qualities of a woman and they're saying, hey, kid, look, this is what a woman is. And you need to accept this and celebrate this. And, and it's not a great characterization, not a full character, you know, depiction of what a woman is. And, um, and the thing is, they're leading these kids to a doorstep, right? They're leading these kids to things that are bad. These kids may not have the red flags up if adults are trying bad things with them. So like I say, let's pretend that they, they don't have any pedophiles. The problem is, is they're, grooming they're they're helping these kids uh lower uh lower their guard towards somebody who really does want to harm them so i don't see how that's a good thing uh just in that aspect what they're they're leading kids down a path towards uh, okay so that's that's drag shows what about uh drag queen story time that you've heard i know that in toronto that was i think they put it on at the zoo yeah. Right. So what I, about I, those events? I, I think it's inappropriate for children. The drag queen exists in, from a sexual nature. That's what it's the drag queen is for. They only take basically two qualities of a woman. And, and they, they don't they don't focus on intelligence. They don't focus on work ethic. They don't focus on anything nurturing. They don't focus on the, just the sexual and the materialistic side. And so why would we want to teach kids? That's what a woman is. Why would we want to do that? And besides that, what, what would be the benefit to having a female stripper sit down and read to the kids? That her, her job, she makes money, stripping. Why does that somehow make her better at reading books or the kids learn more? She's in a sexually oriented, oriented business. The drag queen is it's sexually oriented, has no place around children. So, so I, I don't see how it's appropriate. So you promised to file a legislation to protect children from drag shows. Can you give us a bit of a description about what that bill's about? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, we don't know if it's going to be one bill or four bills. I mean, we're just mm. trying to figure out where and how to do it in Texas to stop this from happening. As I've mentioned, we have it in Texas law where you know, kids can't go to sexually oriented oriented businesses. They can't go in liquor stores. They can't go in bars. 
They can't buy cigarettes, et cetera. There's a lot of protections for kids. So we want to add right now, if kids were to have a, a stripper dance in front of them, it would be a crime. Strippers in Texas have to have some type of license and uh, because they're sexually oriented in, in their business. So I'm simply wanting to just add the drag queen shows into what we already have in law, which is classifying sexually, sexually oriented businesses and keeping children from being around them. So I don't know if that's going to be some type of, you know, getting a license or just saying, hey, kids, you know, can't participate. Uh, we don't know. We're still working on it. But the goal is, is, <clears throat> is to stop this. Apparently, uh, the way the law's written, a man can dance in his underwear in front of kids and have them stuff dollar bills in their underwear. Which, I mean, that's apparently legal in Texas, and we need to stop that, just as we've done it with women that would try to dance in front of, or I guess men wearing men's underwear. I guess the loophole might be that a man's wearing women's underwear, I guess. I, I don't know why, but we had no sheriffs, no law enforcement trying to stop this at any point in time. Okay. And is that because specifically drag shows aren't classified as a strip show? They just were never written in maybe because this was never an issue before? That's right. I mean, it, yeah, it was never an issue. It was never thought of, hey, let's do this in front of children and it will be okay. It will be accepted. You know, it was never thought that until now we're, like I say, the, the, the drag queen is a part of our society and culture and, and in our shows and commercials. I mean, everywhere. And so now it's just, they're just pushing the envelope more to more and more of what they want. They don't want it just accepted in society. They want it in our face. I mean, in fact, right after I said I was going to file this piece of legislation, there was a, an elected official in California said they wanted to make drag queens mandatory curriculum in the schools. They want more than just, you know, observing a, a, a drag queen show. They wanted mandatory participation in school. Hmm. What do you think parents are thinking when they bring children to these events? <laughs> that, that's a good question. So the, the way I describe this, because I was a youth and family minister, and, and what I see parents, um, you know, they want their kid to get through uh, high school, be 18 years old, going to college, and they don't want them to have a physical scar, an emotional scar, a psychological scar. I mean, they don't, right? Uh, parents want to protect their kids from everything. They don't want their kid to even have a broken heart, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they don't want a, a girlfriend or boyfriend to break up with them. And, and uh, of course, we look at our society where they all have to have trophies, right? Everyone wins. They don't know what it's like to lose. And, and so, uh, you know, one thing I've asked uh, to help explain this is imagine I show up to your city, any city, and I want to get a permit to do some type of parade, bike ride. And the bike ride's called the good old days bike ride. Only children can participate, and they're not allowed to wear a helmet, elbow pads, or knee pads. Do you think that city is going to give me a permit? Definitely not. No, they are not. But you take any of the LGBTQ movement, and you're going to get pushback that the gender modification of children, right? It's irreversible. They're okay with it, but they don't want the kid to ride on a bike without their knee pads, elbow pads, helmet. And then you got the drag queen, which is a, a 
characterization of a woman, highly sexualized. And we don't want our children to be exposed to pedophiles. We don't want our child to be exposed to anything sexual. We don't want our, ch our children um, doing anything other than enjoying their childhood. But they want this sexualization to go to, to be put on them. And, and like, like I've mentioned, I don't understand why, why even the left wants to take the depiction of a woman that a drag queen displays and, and show that to their kid and say, this is what a woman is. I don't see how, how, how they want that. So back to parents, you know, why would a parent find it so important for their child to be around this? And, and, and some of it comes down to this um, is some parents try to live through their children. Um, I think a lot of things that happen, you have parents that have their own insecurities. Maybe they weren't as popular as they wanted to be in high school. Maybe they didn't have the boyfriend or girlfriend they wanted. Um, who knows what it could be? And those parents take their children and they try to live through their, their children. And, and in some cases, you could have parents that are trying to push this on their child so that when they go to brunch, they can brag to their friends that their child is LGBTQ or their child is accepting of drag queens. And they feel like somehow that's, you know, uh, a one up on everybody. There's people talking about maybe a new car, a new house or a new job. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they use it as a bragging right because it's about their insecurities. Um, so that would be one possibility. Um, the other thing, I think there's some parents who, who just don't understand how dangerous it is to sexualize a child, whether it's towards the LGBTQ or sexualize them towards a, a you know, heterosexual pedophile, right? I mean, it, it's both wrong and bad on that child. And, and so why they do it, I don't fully know the answer. Um, I, I haven't also heard parents say, you know, how dare you say I can't take my child to a drag queen? And also, if I want to take my kid in a strip club, y'all better repeal that law so we can do that too. So they're only doing it for one thing, and it's in the drag queen. They're not trying to do it anywhere else. They don't want the freedom and, quote, liberty to do it in any other situation. So I think it has more to do with their ideology. They, they support the LGBTQ movement. They want to advance it everywhere they can. Um, and and so that that's that's what's driving this. And, and yeah, it, it's a. Yeah, that's all I can say is there, there's probably a lot of reasons, but it has mostly to do with their own insecurities and they're just ideology. You know, their ideology is sensitive to the LGBTQ movement. OK, um, so in your opinion, should drag shows be banned altogether or should they just be limited to 18 or 21? What do you think would be reasonable for the future? So my bill simply said, keep drag shows away from children. What I'm trying to work on. I'm not trying to end drag shows altogether. Um, I mean, do they need to exist? Well, that's another, you know, as far as the drag shows and everything in, in our society, Hey, somebody, somebody can have that conversation. I just see uh, the need to protect children is all I'm, I'm doing. Now, what age do we put that at? 18 or 21? I mean, that's up to debate, really, because when a child turns 18, uh, they could go, you know, uh, well, actually, 
just now in Texas, we changed the law to where it's 20, you have to be 21 years old to work in a strip club. So huh. I guess now, uh, as of uh, last September, I, I guess it would probably be more appropriate to move it to 21 to treat them all, treat all that um, sexually oriented business the same. Um, but, you know, at 18, the kids could go, you know, do all the cosmetic surgery for the gender modification. They could, you know, dance. They, they could put on a dress. They could go wherever they want. You know, they're, they're adults. But in Texas, we, we do now have a law saying 21. So, I mean, right now, I guess everything would lean towards 21, but open to discussion. Um, what, what can a parent do if they don't want uh, their kid to see drag or, or be exposed to kind of this ideology? You're going to see it everywhere. You see it in commercials. Um, uh, depends on where you are. Uh, apparently, like I say, from what we've learned, if, if you attend school in California, you may want to consider pulling your kid out of school there in California because oh. uh, there's a guy there that wants to make it mandatory curriculum. Um, uh, you're just going to have to, one, just don't drive them there <laughs> if there's a show. But uh, but the problem is, is... is uh, like I say, it's been a part of the plan, part of the process to normalize this. As we see it more and more in TV, we have, you have to worry about the books your kids are reading. Um, I, I live east of Dallas in, in East Texas. We have all those books, all the porn books are in all the school districts in my district. It's not an urban problem. It's not a California problem. It's everywhere. So uh, parents are just going to have to be on guard. If you want to protect your kid, help them maintain their innocence and just enjoy their childhood, grow up, be ready to be a good, productive adult, you're going to have to protect them. Bottom line, protect them. And you're going to have to look at everything. Minimize online, minimize or cut out social media, things like that. Hmm. What kind of books are you talking about? So uh, we found books in libraries and rural um, all over Texas, but in my district, that um, some of the books depict adult child sex, adult child, you know, oral sex, uh, even, you know, LGBTQ, I mean, all sexualization of children, even, you know, child, child sex. I mean, it's just totally inappropriate. Um, you know, it's, it's books that if, if you or I took somewhere else and showed a kid, we'd probably go to jail, but the schools have them in their library and kids could be reading these, checking these out. And once again, it's, <clears throat> it's all in the same nerve. I mean, you got the, the, the books that are basically porn, you got drag queens wanting to perform in front of the children, and then you got the gender modification of children. It's all the same thing. They're, they're all trying to sexualize the child and uh, do so before they're an adult. And, and I'll just say this real quick. I know you asked about the books. Um, what I've asked people, have we been discussing this issue with children, um, with the gender modification, I guess, we'll with that one is, you know, the question I always like to ask or back when I was in the ministry, uh, I'd ask people is what if you're wrong? What if I'm wrong? And so, you know, 10 years from now, if we all look back and, and decide that, you know, let's say, you know, my side was wrong, that kids shouldn't be sexualized, shouldn't go through gender modification. If we're wrong, the worst case scenario is that child has to wait till they're 18 to go through and do all that surgeries, go through, you know, go be a drag queen, whatever. They'd have to wait till they're 18. The other side, what if they're wrong? 
if they're wrong, there's no going back. If that child wound up getting gender modification surgery, you don't reverse that. That child's life is forever on a, a, a different path. Never go back. And the sexualization of children, I mean, there's a lot of things um, that once you get the child so focused on sex and in their guard down, anything could happen. They could get caught up in human trafficking as a sex slave. They could become you know, pregnant as a child. Uh, there's just so many things can happen. And um, if, if they're wrong and if, if I'm wrong, well, you just got to wait till you're 18, which is what we want for kids with a lot of things. So, but these books, um, they just are part of the same nerve uh, of sexualizing our children. Why do you think that this has made it into the schools specifically? Like, why is it that part of society that seems to be pushing this? That is a good question. Um, well, you know, as we, as children develop and grow, um, and you, you shape them into how they think, that's how they'll be, you know, as they get older. I've always told parents that, and I've told teenagers this, that by the age of 12, 13, 14, if you haven't figured out how to be an honest person, um, that you're gonna, you know, tell the truth, that you're, you're gonna uh, be moral, if you, you know, those type of things, that's who you're gonna be. Uh, if, uh, if, by the time you're 14, more than likely. And, and so it's very important that as kids, as very young kids, that they you train them uh, and you teach them how to live, how to think, how to be moral, how to be ethical, because then they will continue to do that. So then there's people who, uh, as we mentioned earlier with acceptance, they think, hey, if we can get these children to believe it's okay for an adult to act this way with them, well, then as they get older, they'll accept all of them and it'll be a, you know, the world will be a happy place. But, um, but that's what they would be doing is they'd be teaching children uh, the sexual um, aspect and, and sexual nature. And as that kid gets older, older that's going to be their focus. And so, um, so it's kind of a, it's a, a fight for our, a battle for our, our youth, battle for our, our, the children because they're going to determine what our society is. And so, um, and so they think, I guess they think that's, that's where they want to win the battle because if we raise children yeah. to be moral and ethical, we raise children to know right and wrong. We raise children to know that adults should not do sexual things with children. They can't win that conversation with the 25 year old. But if that at eight years old, the child's taught it's okay, then that child's 25. I mean, so that, yeah, I, I guess in, they're doing it in school because that they're trying to win the battle 10 years from now. How do you think it's appropriate to teach kids? You know, so so I, I would assume from that angle, they're saying what they're saying anyway is we need to expose kids to these ideas so they grow <laughs> up, like you said, and aren't bigoted or, or aren't prejudiced. Um, do you think there's an appropriate way to teach kids so that they don't end up prejudiced that doesn't involve this kind of hypersexualization? Sure. It's from a Christian worldview. I mean, uh, the Bible teaches us uh, right and wrong. 
the Bible teaches us God's plan and that he made male and female. Bible teaches us that. Also teaches us to be loving to others. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been doing it. And, and yes, there's been some bad actors, right? There's been people do bad things. But guess what? We live in a fallen world. People do evil things. But that doesn't mean that God is flawed. doesn't mean that you know, Christianity is flawed because one person, you know, or however many make a bad decision. So, so we, we teach kids how to treat others. We teach kids what God expects of us and who we are, because that's a lot of this is in the LGBTQ movement. They're teaching these children that, they, you know, they're not teaching them. God made you and made you perfect the way you are. They're saying, if you think that you're something other, that somehow it was a mistake, well, let's fix that. And, and they're, they're trying to go against um, how God has made you. I mean, I saw this as a youth and family minister. I saw girls uh, in the youth group with blonde hair, wish they had dark hair. And girls with dark hair, wish they had blonde hair. And then you know, curly hair and then straight hair. And uh, we haven't taught kids how to live with insecurities and how to be content with who you are. Um, and and so we have to come at it with a biblical worldview, in my opinion. And um, uh, that's that's the way we do it. Um, it's worked before. And I'll also say this. Uh, I worked at some rural country churches, and there was always some old men there. They would say, you know, uh, these kids out here in the country, you never had to teach them a sex ed class in school. They figured it out from the animals. You know, I mean, they, they, they saw what happened. They knew what happened. And they were, they got neo parents talk to them, but um, but basically, you know, maybe, maybe the church isn't doing a good job of of, uh, of teaching. You know, I, I believe a lot of the problems we have in our culture um, all start with um, the lack of leadership we have in the pulpit in America. I think a, a lot of people also that um, aren't brought up uh, with a Christian background kind of scoff at it and just look at it as another type of ideology. I think that's part of the problem. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned that the Bible teaches people to love one another. Mm -hmm. And that seems like it might be a good place to start, right? For acceptance is, is don't be hateful. That's, yeah. that's pretty much, that's like, that seems like a pretty good lesson just to begin with that everybody could learn from. Yeah. I'll tell you this, <clears throat> growing up, um, uh, my family, we worked in Miss Texas patch. Uh, and most people wouldn't think that about me. I'm in the Hall of Fame, Miss Texas organization. And that's mainly because I was big enough to carry bots. Um, but we were around a homosexual community working in that. And, um, and like I say, I feel like I'm loving, accepting. I mean, like I say, have lots of people... I know that are gay. My thing is just keep it away from kids, you know, leave kids alone. I don't care if you're heterosexual or homosexual or drag, leave kids alone. It's that simple. And, um, uh, but for some reason it's, it's treated as taboo if you want to protect kids from drag. Um, when like I say, the whole nature the concept of drag is sexualization. And so anyway, uh, it, 
it's wild that we're where we're at, you know, and, and that just because you say you don't want kids to be around drag shows, they think, you know, you, you hate others. No, I don't. Um, I just also believe God has a you know, standard how he wants us to live our life. Everybody's got to answer for their decisions. Okay. Well, that covers all the questions I had. Um, if people want to learn more about you, is there any place they can go online? Sure. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Brian for HD2. And then you can find me uh, on my website, uh, brianslayton.com. Okay, great. Thank you very much for taking part in this Opposing Views. Thank you, Michaela, for having me.